In a world with too much pop culture to consume, one woman and one man will argue about it until they get bored. It's an epic battle between obsession and indifference, and the winner will determine, well, very little actually, Emily Jones and Eric Johnson star in Giant Geek vs. Mega Noob. Whoever wins, we're still losers. Welcome to Giant Geek vs. Mega Noob, the podcast where we argue about something one of us is totally obsessed with. And the other has never even seen. I'm Emily Jones. And I'm Eric Johnson. Today we're discussing the novel Sabriel. Now, we've had a bit of a mishap. It was probably either Spectre or Daleks. Definitely not my fault. Absolutely no, sir. Not at all. Not my fault. Small technical mishap, blame it on the Daleks. Uh, in any case, uh, first half of our discussion is lost to the ether. Internet goblins took it, something. Uh, so we're going to jump in with the second episode that we had recorded about Sabriel uh, after I finished reading the whole book. And that's really important. Uh, now, this is, of course, after I finished reading it for like the fifth time. But right. you really want to read the whole book at least once before you listen to this uh, because we are going to spoil a lot of things. Right, so we had recorded this as two episodes, the first episode being the first half of the book, this episode being the whole book. Uh, So, you know, lost a bit of audio, no big. Uh, Sorry about that, but the good news is that the book still exists. It's still a book that you can read. It's still good. (laughs) (laughs) Books don't expire. It's one of their magical, magical qualities. Some of our audio may be gone, but the book will live forever. And our memories of the discussion will also live forever in our hearts. So I uh, hope you'll still read the book. Yes. And you can now hear the second half of the discussion. Last week you were talking about how you liked the fact that the world was by default. It it, it didn't embrace the patriarchy of like Western Europe know, or that, that it wasn't. Which is awesome because damn yeah. the patriarchy, which is a yeah. thing I'm going to try <laughs> to say as many times as possible on this podcast. Which means it's a drinking game. Everyone listening at home, every time every time she says patriarchy, take a shot. Oh, okay. Our every listeners will be dead by the end of this say, episode. I was going to say if we're going to if we're only going by by damn the patriarchy, like I'm going to have to fit a lot of it into the Sabriel episode because most things <laughs> still fall under the patriarchy. But anyway, right. uh, no. <laughs> so this this week, let's talk about or this episode, let's talk yeah. about charter magic. Yes. Uh, so I think charter magic is pretty cool. Um, I think the charter is pretty cool, and and I like the way it's all set up. But let me tell you what I really like about it. My favorite thing about it, I think, uh, which also gets at one of the things that I think that these book that this book does really well mm-hmm. outside of the magic. I really like that charter magic takes effort and drains physical energy, um, which I know is like a really specific thing, but. <laughs> Most, at least in in fantasy I'm familiar with, most um, manifestations and uses of magic tend to, especially, I mean, the big one obviously is Harry Potter, where it's just like, they just wave their wands, you know? They just wave the wand and they can do magic and they can keep doing magic. They say the words. They just have. They know the words. They just think the words. They just just have magic. The one exception to that in Harry Potter would be the, what's it called, acclumency or whatever, where where you're going in someone's. Yeah, that is exhausting. But generally, though, yeah, but in general, you know, you you wave your wand and you can do stuff. And that's true of um, I mean, I guess like in Buffy, like Willow gets like tired and drained by the magic, but it's a different kind of thing. Anyway, we don't need to get into all the mythologies of magic and the whole Gandalf gets tired sometimes after magic anyway. Charter (laughs) magic, but charter magic is is specifically very draining. Like it happens a lot that there are 
There are limits to how much magic they can do. They hit a point and they can't do it anymore. And the reason that this is good to talk about in the second half of the book is because you see this happen several times. It happens in the first half too, but in the second half, like I'm thinking of when they go down in the reservoir under the castle and they they need to combine their strength to cast the diamond of protection. And even with that, they barely get it out like because they're both mm-hmm. so tired and all this stuff. And that is a thing I like about Charter Magic. And as I said, it also gets it something I really like about this book as a whole and also about the whole series is that it tends to actually like focus a lot and I think do a really good job at the the human limitations of the characters like the characters get tired and their clothes smell and sometimes they have to like wash them and like you know it they talk about like how heavy their their coat is because it's soaking wet with sweat and dirt and travel and like how gross they feel after spending six days at sea getting splashed with sea spray and all this kind of stuff and it's like it's a super basic thing but like i don't know i really like it because like yeah. there's so many like epic journeys that you know i've read about or watched on film or whatever and it's like come on like after a certain point all the members of the fellowship of the ring have got a stink and like you never talk <laughs> about it and in this book it's like god mm, this armor whew, needs a bath yeah, this is rank. I just, no, and I just I, really I, appreciate that. It's like a little element I, of I realism. I do too. I, I had actually in my notes sort of the flip side of the same thing, which is that free magic is, it's almost like something is irradiated. Um, when they're yeah. talking about the whole process of moving the sarcophagus or coffin or whatever that contains the big bad Rogier slash Kerrigan, like Carrigor. they're talking about it. Or Rogear or Rogear. Sorry, whatever. Hey, um, there's, a, there's a lot of names in this book. Don't whatever my mythology. All right. Anyway, when they're talking about carrying, what's his face? The co- when they're talking about carrying the coffin, um, you know, it like it has a physical toll on the people who even come near it, even the people who aren't touching it. Like just being in its like aura is sort of like this, you know, it has a magical effect there. Like even even this body that can't really do anything is is having a toll, um, yeah. which is I guess in the same vein as as the fact that free magic is is a as as a magical form is is physically draining. Yeah, you also see that when. Um when Sabriel goes back into death to go find her father and she has to yeah. go through several of the gates, which involves using free magic to open a, a, a safe pathway through the gates in death. Right. And it actually like burns her mouth and her throat as if she's mm-hmm. like breathing in fire or breathing out fire, you know? So um, on the topic, since we were talking about the different types of magic and fantasy and this versus Harry Potter being sort of the the fantasy series that I am very, very deeply acquainted with, I think more than more than any other, I did want to bring up one thing that it may just be that I'm not fully understanding it, but it didn't quite click for me. Um, I think I think it's especially top of my mind because the big climactic finale of this book is a siege on a magic school by dark forces. Um, so there's kind of you know there's a little and it's a, apparently like a castle. So I was, I was thinking about Hogwarts and it's kind of the siege castle. of Hogwarts. Small castle. It's a, but still. it's a much it's a much smaller castle. I think it would be fairer to say it's more just like a like a gothic building. Okay. Than a castle. <laughs> In any case, it's a siege on a some sort of magic school. So I was, I was thinking about this. And even though I agree that it is great that, that magic has, has a toll in this world, it does seem, in terms of how it's utilized, I don't know, I guess it's sort of inconsistent, it seems to me, in terms of 
how people project it out. Like, obviously, it's one thing the airports in a special has the bells, and you ring the bells, and the bells have special powers. Like, that I, I totally get. Right, but which is some actually points... separate from Charter Magic. Oh, right, right, okay. Um, they have Charter, but, like, they have charter, charter magic, magic in them, which is mostly just to keep them and the ringer safe because it's beyond charter magic and like so if you met a necromancer who wasn't the apperson their bells don't have charter magic in them okay they're like free magic and other stuff to go to go to the school scene though i'm making it no 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 no. i I, i'm sure once i read more of the books this will make more sense i like that you just um, use the word once not if yeah. <laughs> Score one uh, no, overall, okay. I, spoiler alert for the end of this podcast. Overall, I did like this enough that on your recommendation, I'm looking forward to, yes. to read, reading uh, the, the... You said the next book is called Abhorson? Lyriel. No, book? don't read Abhorson next. That's the third one, and it okay. will confuse okay. you if you don't read the second <laughs> one. I'm looking forward to reading Lyriel. Anyway, back back to the school. One more time, Sorry. the seed to the school. <laughs> Wyverly no, College. We're going to go back to Wyverly the, the College. T- Wyverly College. That tangent was my fault. At Wyverly College, um, so the uh, uh, Sabriel enlists the kind of the uh, older uh, students to help her because they are their charter mages in training to help kind of boost the strength of the team here to to, to help project the spell. And at one point, she's like, "Oh, like perform the rites," and it's just, and then they perform the rites. Like I kind of. Even though it may be overly simplistic in Harry Potter, like you just wave the wand and then it does the thing, I felt like I didn't really have in my head a clear visual sense of what the hell are these people doing. Like, I couldn't visualize what was actually going on um, in those moments, which made the, the, in, the intensity of that whole battle scene a little bit less... I don't know, less powerful for me. So the rights that they're... I, I see what you're saying. Like, you, you really have to... Um... I honestly don't remember how well I understood that the first time I read it. Because um, yeah. you, re- you really have to pay attention to all the stuff that happens with Charter Magic to, like, mm-hmm. get what continues happening with it. So I'm sure there's a bunch that went over my yeah, head. Yeah, so the, the rites yeah. that she's referring to are the death rites, um, okay. which in the very beginning, when she first crosses the wall and she starts encountering the bodies of dead soldiers, she finds a dead body and and sends it into death. And then the rest of the body... This was in the first half. Right, this, this, was, was, in in the, this was in the first yeah. half, exactly. She finds yeah. a dead soldier along the side of the road, and she burns the body with charter magic, and also she, like, she draws... I'd have to find this scene to, to say what okay. all of them are, but, you know, so she draws she draws the charter marks for, for things like burning and that kind of stuff to burn the body, mm-hmm. um, and then also rest and peace and those sorts of things for the soul to send it fully into death so that it can't be brought back up again and that involves drawing the charter marks for all of those things so they refer to that a lot where you, you draw the charter marks she often does it with a sword but i think you can also just do it with your fingers okay um yeah there's a lot of like drawing of charter marks in the air so like they never really tell us what charter marks look like but they're sort of like rune runic yeah i know that's what i assumed um, in my head they're kind of yeah, like yeah, so it's, ancient it's, runes. i think my whenever i picture it it's always kind of like a like quick the drawing of stuff with your fingers yeah. in the air. Unless you have yeah. like a sword or something to draw it with. Possibly I, you can I swish and flick think. with your, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with your index finger. Yeah. <laughs> You're like drawing <laughs> patterns with it. I, that's yeah. that's my best understanding of it. Okay, okay. That's that's, that's fair. It's just kind of uh, stuff like that. So I like, yeah, um, I have to for say, a good chunk of- I'm the, um, this is something that I noticed the most, the most recent time that I reread it, which was only a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago, was that that final scene in Wyverly College, I mm-hmm. am 
I am less than clear on everything that happens in it. Yeah, me too. Um, <laughs> and you get a little more clear on like the conclusion of it. Reading, it takes a while, but it, a while into like bits and pieces of it emerge in Lyrial, like what ended up happening. Uh, oh. When she bound the Caragor, uh, mm-hmm. which I mean, I could just explain it to you <laughs> if you want. It, it's not really a spoiler. Um, yeah, that's a, so. What exactly happened there? So what happened is that the Mogget being mm-hmm. got unleashed. I don't remember who unleashed right. Mogget. I think he got unleashed when she rang a, a certain type of bell. That it was the bell that almost killed Touchstone. Oh, and Asarel. Like, kiss him to is, Asarel, is the yeah. uh, the weeper who's that's the seventh bell, and everyone who hears it dies. And the reason right, that so, she so Touchstone and, almost dies, and, and she so assumes she, that Mogget died in it as well. She assumes that what? She assumes that at that point that Mogget dies as well. Like that's when Mogget disappears, right. and she's and she says something to the effect like, you know, oh, he must have been taken by it. Or, I, I don't right. know. Right, and he like somehow ends up back at Waverly College. I'd have to look look it up to. Remember. I don't think that actually says how he got back. He just sort of shows up. It's uh, sort of like well, no, because he also brings the bells. So hold on. I actually right, no, he shows up he shows up and says, I have one last thing to do before my retribution. Like he's performing one last task in the service of the Abhorson. Right, 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 which right. I believe is delivering the sword and t- the two bells that her father kept at the at the other place. Correct. In fact, I think that about sums it up. Um yeah, yeah. so I think I think her father found a way to send him to her. But anyway, so Mogget right. is released, he's out of his out of his element, you know. Or actually back mm-hmm. into his element, technically. He's out of his right. cat prison. <laughs> Um, Out of his cat element, yeah. Yeah, his cat prison. And uh, he tries to battle Karagor, right? And you think that he loses. Karagor kind of eats him. Right. But then there's some point when Karagor is, like, trying to kill Sabriel that she's like, wait a second. Is there, like, a little flicker of white in his eyes? Which is Mogget's color. Mogget is white. Um, oh. Even as even as a, a free magic I, I remember reading free that yeah, magic yeah, yeah. entity being yeah that's an indication that Mogget is actually still in there um okay. which has to do with just his ancientness and his level of fury frankly at the abhersons mm-hmm. um for keeping him prisoner which he's always really pissed about whenever he gets released uh right. so she she starts to feel the ring growing you know which is the way that you bind Rebind right. It's the same way that she trapped him before. Right. Yeah. And so that's how... So she puts it around Karagor and it splits them in two. Did you get that? The black and the white. Right. Yeah. And it, I was, so I was thinking at the time, I was expecting the white one to be Mogget. The white one is Mogget. Okay, because they didn't spell that out. I was, I was yeah. like, I was assuming, I was expecting like it said like, oh, they're gonna split it into two, and then the white one said like, hey, how's it going? Or <laughs> like, right. I was expecting no. there would be some well, dialogue no, because, with the white um, one because the Saranath was there was something wrong with Saranath. It was broken or full of dust or something. Oh, okay, so she right, use right, it, so yeah. She had to use Rana, which is the sleeper. So that's why you never okay. actually hear from Mogget. It's a different but, bell. Right. You know, I guess slight spoiler. Although it's not really yeah. a spoiler because you find out pretty early in Lyriel that. Mogget is still around, but sleeps a lot now. Okay. And Karagor is <laughs> so also, he's a cat. Karagor is also yeah, but even more of a cat. Like he like okay. He like very rarely wakes up. <laughs> <laughs> All right then. Yeah, they reference it in like one of the first couple chapters of of Lirial. Like there's like an offhand comment made to like oh yeah he woke up for the second time in twenty years like casual. Wow. Yeah. That sounds great. He sleeps he sleep for nineteen years and yeah. yeah. But in any case, uh, other things from this book. Um, so one other thing that, that I liked, um, even though it was uh, subtle with a capital B, um, but when... <laughs> what does that even mean? 
It's, it's subtle, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, okay, okay. Is, is uh, when, when the old Abhorse and Sabriel's father, sort of his parting lessons for his daughter, when, like, she, like, calls about him being like, hey, reunion, what's going on here? When, when, she, when she points out to him that he's just being, like, you know, straight to business and kind of kind of points Not it out to him. Dad. Yeah, no, and, and he says, you know what? I was I wasn't the best dad. I'm not like I'm not perfect. And and he you know, and he says very very bluntly, you know, like when you become the abhorse and you give up part of what you were before, which is a very general uh, sort of universal sort of thing. I mean, it's it's something that applies to a lot of things, right? You you become someone later in life and you lose part of who you were before. But I I I really like the fact not just that that was I don't, I do like the fact that it was spelled out, but also I like the fact that Sabriel internalizes it very appropriately. So, so later on, when she's going off and she has to really, she, her safety net is gone. Old Abhorsen is gone, and she is like in her internal monologue. She like basically echoes that exact same thought to herself, but she doesn't think, you know, she remembered when her father told her. She just like echoes it as if it were original thought of just like, you know, she she has to Oh, I know what it was. It's when they're going back to Wyverly College and she's talking about how, oh no, Wyverly College isn't home, it's what used to be home. It was the home of Sabriel, it was the home of her childhood. But now she she's really accepting her her responsibilities at Horson. Um, the, the burden, really, of, of what she is. And, and you know, it's kind of like this, it was this really, I think, pitch-perfect sort of way of illustrating the way we, we you know, internalize lessons from, from people who are important to us, you know? I like that a lot. Yeah, I never thought about that, but that's actually a really good point. I, I don't mean to sound surprised that you made a good point. I just mean, I agree. That's the point. <laughs> um, and yeah, oh I my think... god, he said something intelligent. <laughs> the hell? Uh... I think that's something um, that is actually something this book and the other books in the series deal with really well. I I agree is is also just kind of changing changing identity and and mm-hmm. that idea of like being a different person than or be actually becoming a different person than you were right. than you thought you were than you thought you were going to be and sort of coming to terms with that and how it's good and exciting in some ways uh, and also can be really sad. I mean, in this, you see it a lot in the other ones too, but in this book you see it um, also with Touchstone a little Mm -hmm. bit. I mean, you still, you still don't know that much about like him and his whole thing, although you have heard his story now, but uh, you know, he, he kind of has to, has to come to terms with the fact that not only is it no longer the world that he knows or knew, but he's also no longer the person that, he was you know he he's he's no longer like a like a humble bastard son you know he's he suddenly realizes that like the fact that the queen is his mother is actually a huge deal and he's the only remaining like he has to step up to the plate of being the only remaining member of the royal family having you know spent his whole life essentially in servitude to the royal family um the only non-evil remaining member of the royal (laughs) family also also still living member of the royal family that too yeah (laughs) oh poor touchstone it's pretty rough for him um but yeah uh, i i agree that it it deals with those those difficulties of of embracing a new identity and like what you know presumably is your Mm. destiny or at least becomes your destiny like i feel like in a lot of heroes journey type stories becoming the the hero and uh, or sort sort of embracing your destiny destiny is very much tied to being a hero and kind of isn't it always awesome you know kind of you're becoming who you're meant to be and you're and you like everyone loves you or you're, or you're doing great stuff but here like being the app person it sucks like this is yes, not it does. 
this is not a pleasant destiny, but that's that's what makes I think that's what I think what I've found really I that really uh, kept me engrossed in kind of Sabriel's story was just the fact that you know she she's she's growing into it anyway. She's accepting that this is her destiny that she's the one who has to do this. Yeah, and in fact, she has to do it until somebody else can come along. So like. She sort exactly. of she, she sort gets of, pulled back from death. Yeah, she tries to die, and they're like, "No, honey, you don't have a kid yet. <laughs> like, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta take care of that before <laughs> you can." There's that damn patriarchy encouraging <laughs> women to just pop out kids, you know? No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, the same would it be true if she were male? They would know, be like, I "You know. haven't fathered a child yet and raised it to be the abortion." Yeah. So yeah, no, she actually gets pulled back from death twice because they need an abortion. If you recall the prologue. Oh right! Yeah, she yeah, died okay. at birth, and then she her... dies in the prologue and in the epilogue. Yep. Wow. Yep. <laughs> Don't worry, she doesn't. Um, she doesn't die. She doesn't die like a Rory amount. Those are the only two. Those are the <laughs> I only was just two, gonna say those are the only two Sabriel deaths I'm aware of. So okay. <laughs> Do you have anything? Any of the big things on your list? I'm curious to know, just to hear your thoughts on Encelstier. Or just like what you think of it as a place. Answer uh, the world. Yeah, the yeah. Play, the the world south of the wall. I just I'd like I'd like to know your thoughts on it. <laughs> I'm gonna see if I can find it. While I was reading this in my Kindle, I highlighted a passage that I really liked. Here it is. So this is where um, after Sabriel and Touchstone have sort of enlisted the um, Horus and the and the soldiers kind of on, on the wall there, and they've got the tanks. And you know Sabriel has described this this weird new invention, this this metal covered tank. And yeah, so new, then it's they, actually they, new to her, almost as new to her as it is to Touchstone because they're exactly new. Like I said, we're because like you said this we're is like nineteen like twenties, right? Twenties ish. I mean, if tanks are new, I guess we're technically in like World War One era. So okay, right, right. Anyway, so first um, twenty years in, of the twentieth century is where we are. Yes. At one point, they like they take the tank up to like I guess a public building or like um they're they're, they're taking the tank somewhere. I forget exactly. I guess to the police station, and uh, and so it's a public space. And it says uh, in any other town, a crowd would certainly have formed around an army staff car with two such unusual passengers. But this was Bane, and Bane was close to the wall. People took one look, saw charter marks, swords, and armor, and went the other way. Those with natural caution or a touch of the sight went home and locked their doors and shutters, not merely with steel and iron but also with sprigs of broom and rowan sort of the sense that um unlike say the muggle world of harry potter where they're sort of ignorant of the magical world around them i do like the fact these people can at least recognize oh shit those are those ancient rune things get the fuck away from that you know that they recognize there's a problem here it's it's more like um yeah there's like a buffer zone sort of yeah. It's like it's like uh that's the wall is sort of the buffer between right well the the wall is the buffer but then it's actually um the the further away you move from the wall in Ancelstier, the less all of that becomes true. So like that's yeah. what it means about like this was Bane. It's because Bane is the like the closest sort of major town to the wall. So it's like if right. the towns up close to the wall get that. If they were further away from the wall, if Carrigor was buried further away and they had to do this mm. further south, the charter magic wouldn't work, and the people would as they as it describes, they would all bunch around the tank and, and all that stuff because they don't believe in any of that stuff. They don't know it's real. If you get far okay. enough south, the old kingdom is considered a myth. Okay. And that's why But people are still aware of the idea of magic or the idea of the old kingdom? Only in the north. Only in the north. So the okay. further the further south you get, they've yeah, they've heard of the old kingdom, maybe, but a lot of them think of it as like a fairy tale. And even yeah. if they know it's real, they think that the um they think that all the stuff with magic and and things like that, they think it's all not real. They think it's like 
superstition or myth or whatever. That's why uh, you see like a handful of the perimeter scouts, the are the people in the army, have mm-hmm. charter marks and and things like that. But you see them kind of in conflict a little bit with the actual like command of the army that doesn't acknowledge that any of that exists. They think right. of it as a weird religion. And okay. and kind of persecute. That's interesting. They kind of persecute the people with charter marks too. Like they don't let them rise above oh. a certain rank because uh, you, you're you're getting stuff. me even more interested in this world. Yeah, I yeah. mean that stuff. That that amount of it wasn't really spelled out in this book, but I'm assuming it is in future books. So I'm kind of uh, yeah yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. You deal a lot more with that stuff, and so I don't. Yeah, I shouldn't be. I didn't think I was. I don't think those things are spoilers. So like that's just no no no. I'm not I'm not accusing you of spoiling. I'm saying that that's that's good a good teaser of things to come. Yeah. Well, that's why they. Um, when they talk about Wyverly College, when they set up Sabriel in the very beginning, mm-hmm. it talks about the fact that it's close to the wall and still teaches magic because school's farther away from the wall. You wouldn't be able to do magic and no one would teach it. Right. So that's why it's Basically, like the it ideal be accepted. college for they... her. Ideal yeah. school for her. I guess there's more about the, the interplay between the two in the future. I was just curious your impressions. But yeah, I'm, I'm, glad, I'm, I'm trying glad to think. You're there wasn't, it. wasn't a huge amount. Yeah, no, there wasn't a huge amount. Other than what we were just talking about, sort of about the world, like, I did, like, the little description of the tank. I thought that was, you know, <laughs> um, here here it is, a lozenge-shaped contraption with gun turrets on either side and caterpillar tracks. Yep. Tanks, she realized, a relatively recent invention. I, I, I did like that. <laughs> well, I do have one more thing on my list. Okay. So, you may recall, when we talked about uh, the Avengers... That I pointed out that, oh, both Thunderball and the Avengers had things running aground and abruptly blowing up. And I was saying, oh, it's a theme. It's a theme. Then, then, but there was none of that in Moulin Rouge. I was thinking, okay, fine. Just a coincidence. And at first, when I was reading the first half of Sabriel, I was thinking, this is also totally different. There's nothing in common between Sabriel and Moulin Rouge. And yet, in this book, we have a clear link between your two, two, uh, two obsessions here. When Touchstone says, I love you, he then quickly adds, I hope you don't mind. I hope you don't mind that I put down in words How wonderful life is Now you're in the world Oh my god! I didn't even notice like, that. As soon as he said that, I was like, Oh, that's so cute! What? I, I, because you know that's uh, having just He's recently just seen that movie for the first time. And like, and like, I know, I know, awkward, but awkward dudeish. That's one of those phrases that I, I'm, I'm surprised anyone, yeah, would write and not think like, oh, that sounds like uh, that Elton John song that everyone knows. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I thought, I thought that was really funny. So we, we now have a clear. You're gonna have to keep, keep up a pattern of like very minor, inconsequential links between your future picks. I'm, I'm just warning now. Oh, I'm gonna dear. be on the lookout for those things. Oh dear. I mean, you could say yeah. that the paper wing crash in the first half is kind of like something crashing to the ground oh. and exploding. It doesn't really explode, right. but... Yeah, it bursts into flames. I mean, it's yeah. sort of an explosion. Sort of. Yeah. And also unexpected, because it doesn't even have engines to explode. It's just powered by the wind, so yeah. there's that. <laughs> anyway, uh, that is all an- I have on oh, my list. Oh, I thought, you had, I thought you had something else. Okay. Cool. No, that that was the thing. That that was my substantial contribution to the end of the discussion. What was the link to Moulin Rouge? <laughs> you know what? If I can get you referencing Moulin Rouge more often, I have I have won as God far as it. I'm concerned. <laughs> All right, Eric, what are we watching next time or reading or experiencing? So, I think next time, even though I'm already dipping into a previous episode here, 
but you have been chugging along on Doctor Who. You have been binging like crazy. I really, hurrying... really have. You were already in season seven. Now, when I we talked, already to you... most of the way through season seven, as a matter of fact. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a lot of Doctor. We've been texting back and forth your your reactions, and I've been responding. So we have been talking about these episodes as they go along. But uh, there's uh, coming up. There's these two special episodes that I would like to do to watch both of them and and talk about that and give us a chance to kind of talk a lot more in depth about uh, the Doctor and the companions and all this fun stuff that I couldn't really get into back when we were first when I was first uh, right, introducing I'm, you to I'm the game. series. You're referring to the episodes from the uh, the big anniversary from the, the end of this season, the big anniversary exactly, craziness for- that happened last year, right? Right, so they, we're going to be watching... Being that we are currently in 2014, because I don't know when we're yeah. going to air these. This, this probably is being aired sometime in the 2020s, I think. <laughs> um, but yeah, from, from, from the end of 2013, <laughs> we'll, the ancient we'll year... We'll jump in the TARDIS and plant these... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're going to be watching... podcasts far in the future. Sorry. In the future, podcasts are just automatically beamed into people's ears, yeah. It's... That would be awesome! Wait, I want to do that. What, automatically beam a podcast into someone's ear? Yeah, or just like radio in general. All right, well, we can talk about that later. Uh, For next week, though, for the immediate future, we are going... (laughs) The immediate future? (laughs) We are going to watch The Day of the Doctor and The Time of the Doctor, which were the two big episodes from the end of the ancient year 2013. So join us then. Way in the past. Join us then. We'll talk about those. Uh, and until until that time, where else can we find you on the internet, Emily? You can find me on Twitter, occasionally bothering Eric about Doctor Who, at EJ Reports. And I'm on Twitter, occasionally being bothered about Doctor Who, at Hey Hey ESJ. Oh, come on. Don't pretend you think it's awesome. It really is. I, I, I love the fact that I've turned you into a geek for this show. I, I can't get over how awesome that is. Anyway, join us next time. We will be back to Doctor Who. And until then, uh... Keep reading nerdy things. Watch some more Doctor Who. Yay. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. This has been Giant Geek vs. Mega Noob. For more, visit GVNPodcast.com.